Buffs Nation. What's going on? Welcome back into another episode of the Buffs Nation podcast. Uh, We just couldn't get it done. Not two weeks in a row. I thought we were going to get a winning streak. You know what they say. You get one win and then two and suddenly that's a winning streak. Unfortunately, Buffs falling to the Cal Golden Bears 26-3 on the road. We'll talk about that game. We'll talk about the Oregon game coming up next week. I'm Tyler Walge, Jared to my right. Did you like that intro with the one-two winning streak? You're the one who always does that. Yeah, uh, Tyler, I don't know. You you were a little more optimistic, I think, than than some of us to hope a winning streak was coming here. I mean, I, I actually, if you listen to last week's show, I wasn't the most <laughs> optimistic one, certainly. But things didn't go anywhere near... You know, even close to what I thought we were capable of. I mean, 26 to 3, I didn't expect that. And that's exactly what we got. So, changes this week with the uh, CU coaching staff. Is it going to be enough? Uh, we'll talk about all that on this week's show. All right, so let's start off with the uh, Cal game last week, 26 3. What was the uh, takeaway from that? Obviously, Brendan Lewis. Uh, 9 of 17, 69 yards in the air, one interception. I just looked at that stat line for the first time. 69 yards. Yeah. That's that's what he mustered up. I on. mean, and the thing is, everyone was freaking out after the Arizona game. And I don't want to say freaking out, but I think what happened is a lot of media outlets, a lot of fans had a reason to celebrate. And I'm not going to get mad at CU fans for celebrating something that CU does well, especially in a year like this where there's not, not that much to celebrate. But I did think... There was a lot of hyperbole and overreaction. There was a Denver Post article. I think it was Matt Schubert. Uh, I have a quote here from it. And this was after the Arizona game, before the Cal game. For the first time all season, the CU passing attack looked dangerous versus Arizona last week. Okay, so uh, that, that's all you need to know, right? It, it's all contextual, okay? If I play a third grader in one-on-one basketball and you say, boy, that Tyler looked dangerous, and then I play LeBron James the following week, how dangerous am I going to continue to look? We have to contextualize some of these things, and I don't think that ever gets taken into account when you've got a bad team and you need a story, but that was the rhetoric, and it gave CU fans who... Look, there's nothing wrong with loving the team no matter what, but it's when you start condemning all the other fans who are hardcore fans about wanting to see a better product. And if you think that CU fans right now are being hard on the team, spend some time in New York or Boston around the Alabama Crimson Tide or Auburn or even you. I mean, maybe not USC. How about Oregon coming up this week? The Ducks. Sure. I mean, if you want greatness, you have to demand greatness. And I'll uh, get back to the takeaways from last week. Uh, Brendan Lewis. I mean, I'll start right there. I haven't seen the progress. And and a theme from last week's podcast was, as long as we're seeing every single week some kind of improvement, something to build on, that's what we're looking for. And that was the point with the Wildcats. It's like, okay, we beat Arizona at home. Good. Let's now look to build off that. Let's not look to regress. And Brendan Lewis looked like he regressed because Cal's well, a much and, better And defense. I will say, you know, looking at Brendan Lewis against Cal compared to, say, the first or second game of the season, sure, maybe there's marginal, at best, improvement from the beginning of the season. But what we saw against Arizona was certainly a step back to what we then saw against Cal. I mean, it, it but, was it was same old Brendan Lewis. Do you think it was again. because Cal was such a better defense? I mean, was it all... I think it's because, as I mentioned last week a few times, that uh, I think Arizona might be... Well, Arizona might be the worst team in college football. CU's not that far behind right now, <laughs> the way they're playing. Let's be easy. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, now, no. I'm the one coming in hot today, But here's, Tyler. The, here's the difference with Arizona... And everyone else, I mean, CU and other teams in that who can be considered in that pool, 
is the Buffs have a talented roster. The Buffs are not in that same talent pool. They, they just have issues, in my opinion, with the coaching staff and certain decisions being made that are out of these players' hands. So I don't want to put CU in that category, not because we do a show about them, but because they don't deserve to be in that category. If CU, as I said last week, had Nick Saban and his staff or Dabo Sweeney and his staff or, heck, Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State and his staff, we would be looking at a much different season with the exact same roster. I firmly believe that. But Brandon Lewis has to be better. 9 of 17 is not good enough, and the improvement has to come. Now, Drew Carter came in at the end of the game. Yeah. I, and, I, and, and and Tyler, just to build on that, it's not just the 9 for 17. It's not just the 69 yards, but it's it's the same old. You know, it's the the holding the ball. It's, it's not making quick reads. It's not making quick decisions. And at, at some point, you got to start to see that clock, you know, working for him a little bit better. Well, I, I mean, you you do, and it's not acceptable to say, well, he's a freshman, he's young, folks. There's a lot of young freshmen across the country who are just getting going. I mean, Brennan Lewis is even. I mean, last year, what did he sit behind? Uh, 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 Neuer. Neuer. And I mean, he came in in the bowl game. And, and if but, I'm not mistaken, he was here the spring prior to that, so he's been around this campus for quite some time. There have been quarterbacks all across the country who come fresh out of high school and, and throw for 400 yards and are you know cemented in a team's offense within a couple of weeks. So I understand that he's young, but the, the the bar has changed. This is not the 90s anymore. This is not the early 2000s anymore. We now live in an era to where every other college out there is getting elite-level talent to come in and produce immediately, and I'm incorporating mid-level Pac-12 schools. We see it everywhere. Do I think that we deserve to have a Heisman candidate and, and, and he should be putting up 15 touchdowns, three picks after you know a couple games? No, that's not, that's not where I am as a fan. I don't think any other fans are, you know demand that. But what we're seeing right now is it, that wouldn't fly in FCS football. And it's just not getting better. So that's where I wanted to start things, Brennan Lewis. I don't want to, you know, make things harder on the kid than it needs to be, but he's not looking good at all. I want to see Drew Carter. You know, I've been saying that for a couple of weeks. Um, I, if Brendan Lewis, I'm willing to admit I'm wrong. And if Brendan Lewis looked better and better, right, and he built it off of Arizona and came out and threw for a good percentage and looked okay, I would be, I wouldn't like dig in. I'd be, hey, maybe I was wrong about this guy. Let's get going here. Same thing with Carl Durrell. If they looked better and better, you know, it's it, it's about wanting the best for the team, not about being right as a as a podcast host. So I want what's best for the Buffs, and right now, I think that's playing Drew Carter. You know, I don't see what you have to lose at this point in the season. I mean, you're not going bowling. I think that's pretty clear. This this team is mm-hmm. not gonna gonna move forward towards a bowl. Uh, they're both they're both freshmen. They're both freshmen right now. What how, do you how, uh, have to lose? How good are you at bowling? Uh, you know, I usually have like one really good game mm-hmm. mixed into a bunch of terrible ones. Average, like average score. Uh, I don't know. One, one twenty, one. That is I so mean. much better than me. I really. <laughs> I usually can't break a hundred. Okay. I am a sorry bowler. I don't know why. Either. Are you a straight on bowler or do you do you throw with the curve? I. I I throw it straight. I I, I have the mentality. You, you it's like, it's, like, it's like a 90 mile an hour fastball. I just try and sneak it by the batter, right? Okay. So I, if I, I feel like if I throw it hard, then it's a high probability to, to oh. get the strike. I'm all that's about what you're the going curve. for. The curve is where it's at. This I bet you get all... Fa- you probably get all fancy. Jared probably has his own ball. No, you I get don't, all fancy. but I should invest in it yeah. because it's worth it. 
You good, Bolo Ryan? Producer uh, Ryan? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty... Did, did we bring Producer Ryan in the show did, yet? I was already... No, I, was just I came in hot. I got yeah. fired up. What do you want? <laughs> Producer Ryan, how are you? Uh, I'm doing well. I mean, are obviously... You a bowler? Uh, no, well, so what I was going to say is usually average... Uh, don't go bowling a lot, but average bowling trip, maybe, you know, maybe roll four or five games, and first one's always the best for me, and then, yeah, that shoulder starts to come out of the socket a little bit. So and, what's your average here? Uh, yeah, I'd say probably around 130s, somewhere around there. Me. You guys got me for sure. It's all about playing the diamonds on the floor, though, <laughs> especially if you're a straight-on bowler. Way too advanced. I'm worried about the nachos. Oh, what, yeah. What's the next, you know? Oh, it's all, see, it's all about more the beer leg tubes kick for me. It's that, it's that <laughs> leg kick as it comes back through. Oh, see, way too fancy. <laughs> all right, uh, Producer Ryan, your thoughts on the Cal game? Uh, I mentioned Brendan Lewis. What did you think of the quarterback? Disappointing. Um, honestly, I... Um, I didn't finish the game. I was I was pretty frustrated at that point. Um, the biggest thing, and it's kind of becoming, unfortunately, this team's mo is um, th- there's just no life. E- even at the beginning of the game, there's no there's no juice. There's no momentum. There's not you know guys aren't firing each other up. They're not um, you know congratulating each other. I brought it up last week. You know not not congratulating on big plays and and honestly, it's even from the opening kickoff. It's like you feel like you've lost already right and uh, as a fan i mean and, and obviously it, it's hard to tell but as a true fan of a football team it's evident to those fans of when you're getting off the bus and you have zero confidence in yourself already and that's the thing we're not asking for see you again to go undefeated or, or i mean it would be good to make a bowl game but we just want to see a competitive team we want this to be good football right and something that you brought up that that cu does have a talented roster i truly do believe that these players believe how talented they are but they have completely lost face faith in the coaching staff and they they feel like that they're not going that the coaches aren't going to put them in positions to succeed but your confidence slips quick i mean a couple losses confidence can go out the window before you know it so yeah. Uh, the receivers, I thought, did a good job when they had an opportunity last week. I mean, that's been a bright spot for the last couple of years, but uh, the receivers, I mean, you know, getting open. And how often are they open? That's what's frustrating. You're watching these players. You're going, get rid of it, get rid of it, ah, get rid of it. Uh, but the, the receivers had a nice game, I thought. Um, yeah, and some, something I, I would like to see more, too, something that I saw in other games uh, over the day on Saturday is – team's ability to use their mobile quarterbacks when they're struggling through the air and i don't know what again just like jared brought up what do you have to lose to play drew carter what do you have to lose to completely switch your entire offensive philosophy and let's just start running a zone zone read scheme and on that note ryan it's uh college football does things a little bit weird a sack is considered a rushing attempt uh nfl handles it a little bit differently but so brennan lewis had nine rushing attempts Six of those were sacks. So he only had three designed runs right. in that game. And and that's just, it's silly. When you see him get out on the edge, he's making plays. Well, what's silly is it's been part of Darren Chivarini's offense to run the quarterback. I know. We, we were freaking been, out three years ago with right. Steven Montez. Like, get this guy, keep him in the pocket. And now Quit they've got him. a quarterback who would ideally and seemingly like to run first. And that's not the case. Well, so. and, and you know what? And, I know that what people are going to say, you know, you start becoming one of those teams, arguably maybe why we haven't ran the football great this year is they're going to load the box defensively. Perfect. What a better way to get a quarterback some confidence through the air when he's throwing on single coverage, one-on-one on on the outside. And that's where he's got to come up. But that's why I like Drew Carter. At least Drew Carter 
gives me a three-step drop and throws the football. Right. <laughs> like, well, and we, we even saw it against Arizona two weeks ago. Um, you know, while he was getting rid of the ball faster the majority of the time, there were still a couple plays where he's holding on to the ball too long. And again, looked like he regressed back on Saturday to where he's continuously holding onto the football. Something the announcers, if you're watching the game on TV... I listen uh, to the radio. I can't stand these <laughs> national me, announcers I know, calling bus I know. games. Pac-12 um, Network's pretty rough. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the the announcer that was calling the game, he he pointed out two or three times that he that Brendan Lewis is clearly in a one-read yeah. route tree, right? When, what that means for those out there that, that aren't familiar with that is he's looking... He's got one receiver he's reading. If that guy's open, he's throwing it. If not, what is Brendan Lewis doing? He's sitting there, and he's sitting there. He's not getting to that second receiver. He's not. It's very obvious. He's looking at one guy, and when he's not open, he freezes. He doesn't know what to do. He can't get to that next guy to see if he's open. He's it's almost like uh, uh, if you're playing Madden, and you go through your first read, they're not open, and then you just drop the controller, and your quarterback just kind of sits there, and his feet move. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and, and maybe and in his defense, maybe that's what he's being coached to do because he's having trouble reading defenses. I mean, but, 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 give me the, give me the I, Mike Vick treatment. Make a read and get out of exactly. there. Exactly. Well, and that's the other thing is it's yeah. not only holding the ball when he's not confident in where he's going, but when he is under the heat, he's almost he gets deer in the headlights yeah. and he doesn't run either. Like I'd be I'd be fine with him not throwing the ball if he take off and try to get some positive yardage, but he just stands there. I mean, I don't want to be so uh uh negative with with this season, but we do have JT Shroud I mean, how long? What did he? Have? Well, it was ACL, right? Or was yeah, it MCL? Uh, yeah. they, they never they never clarified. But anytime you get he a had knee a surgery, injury, so yeah. I, I think so. Is that a year? Or I think you can, you know, a best case scenario, you can hope him be back for you know maybe a little bit limited action in spring ball next yeah. year, and then hopefully be I back. Think, I think the hundred percent by the, the biggest positive the that comes out of that is it happened before the season started. Yeah, okay, so okay. so, he's so got time. that's my thing. Is I mean, it's not you know if if, if Shrout can live up to his potential next season, then this could be a short lived thing this year but that's my whole point with not with wanting to reserve players and let's protect it's like it's about winning now and as a coach for Carl Durrell you don't have that much time anyway we don't know if he's got to see the writing on the wall at this point that's what I think and and that's why I think that we're hearing a lot of what we're hearing from him should we get to his comments or should we keep breaking down the cow game Uh, let's let's quickly go over some more stats and then let's get to yeah one thing that I do want to point out and 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 we'll touch on that as we're going forward you mentioned changes to the coaching staff is something that stood out to me in this game more than I had seen in previous games although it's something that has been apparent is this offensive line is not playing well and and I 1.3 yards per rush against Cal and I do think Brendan Lewis and the the way he is handling himself as a quarterback is part of that. They're stacking boxes. They're heavy defensive fronts. I think Brendan Lewis does a poor job of stepping up in the pocket. There are several times I saw a clean pocket, but he keeps going backwards and backwards, and then that edge rusher can get to him then instead of stepping up in front of those guys. But on those gotta-get-it plays, those, those fourth and ones, those third and shorts, the buffs are absolutely getting blown off the ball. Every single guy on their offensive line. There was that fourth and one play around midfield, uh, yeah, second quarter, I yeah. think. And it was the entire line got pushed back a yard and a half by the time that, that Jarek Broussard was even at that point. It's embarrassing to and, see it. And that's where social media went crazy was the fourth and one run up the middle. You know, and I, I've again for the 95th time on this show, I'm not huge on criticizing play calling, right. but that's no, one because where you, on fourth you know, and one, I'm sorry, 
lean forward. You you just have to move your guy forward. That's yeah. it. You got to win your one on one. That's what it comes down to. In, in and line, you have the horses to do it, man. And the line, like you said, didn't look great. But I believe also that we've got the guys to do it. Before we get to the line, uh, like I said, the receivers looked really good. Uh, actually, Broussard had the most catches on the team, three for 30. But Russell, we had his chances. Arias had a nice catch. Montana, a nice catch. And so, again, when they're getting their opportunities, it's tough with what's going on in the offense. They're looking pretty good. On the ground, 35 carries. Or, excuse me, 28 carries, 35 yards. And that does include the Brennan Lewis stat. I could see how you'd mix that up. Usually when you look at yards, you, you <laughs> see three digits there. Yeah. Not, not uh, so much. Long so. of 14 yards and uh, an average of 1.3 yards per attempt on the defensive side of the football uh nate lamman mckay blackman both with 10 total tackles but mckay blackman had eight solo nate lamman two solo nate got a little banged up he left the game a couple times the second it seemed to be more serious i believe it's a shoulder injury they're saying soft tissue expected to well questionable to return it's looking decent i have some news for nate lamman though You've done enough for the Buffs. As yeah. as an avid CU fan for his entire life, and I speak for myself, I don't want to speak for you guys, I don't want to speak for Buffs Nation, but personally for me, Nate, you've done more than enough more than enough for the Buffs. The season, we know what this is. Get healthy, get ready for the NFL, and and go make some money. That would be my my advice to Nate Landman. Yeah, he doesn't know it, any more of the buffs. It's kind of uh, kind of going toward down that uh, Jordan dies on road where you know he gave everything to this program, even to a program who is who is struggling, and he gets to the NFL and immediate immediately blows his ACL and probably derails a pretty pretty good NFL career. So and for I'd guy, agree with you. Yeah, for a guy, Nate Landman, who's now had two seasons in a row struggling with some injuries, uh, you do you do want to make sure the NFL knows that you are the, ready to The go. issue last year was that they said he wasn't he going to be drafted where he thought or something like that. Well, I think the uh, the injury he had the Achilles late in the season, and so would not have been able to do any of the uh, combine yeah. workouts and workouts for teams and stuff. So I think he thought that would hurt his stock okay. as he as he went out. But I'll be honest, I don't know that his stock's improving. I think well, it's probably, here's the thing. I'm not sure if it's improving either, but I don't know if it got hurt because the only reason why Nate Lehman's stock would get hurt is because of the development of the systems in the NFL to where his his the style he plays isn't warranted on every single team. Besides that, it's it's clear on tape. He knows what he can do. I didn't listen to the national broadcast again. I listened to the radio uh, to clarify for those who don't know what I'm talking about. I just get the app. It's called TuneIn. It's a radio app. Uh, I, I, I think I have to... I don't know if it's a subscription or not. I forget. Um, I think I have the subscription. Either way. So I just get the TuneIn app, play the Buffs game on there, and then I sync it up with the TV. So I just hit pause on TV until the radio comes to that time, whatever it is in the game, whether it's a first down snap or whatever. And then you just play it so the radio is synced up with the TV. That's how I listen to the Buffs games. But Jared on the na- or, or whoever, on the national broadcasts, do they men do they go crazy about Nate Landman? Do they bring up how he's all over the field? Because it should be obvious. Yeah, it's he he's certainly being brought up a lot throughout the game. He hit a milestone. It was six hundred career tackles or something like that in this game. Okay. I, I don't know the number exactly, but it was it was a big milestone for him in this game uh, to surpass. So uh, again, to your point, I think you've accomplished just about everything you need to. And and uh, I, I I think he's probably he's not probably a first round guy, maybe not a second round guy, but I think he's a mid round guy. And I think he'll have a spot on the roster. Unfortunately, though, you know what some NFL rosters may say, well, is he mailing it in, getting ready for the foot? Does football mean a lot? And that's just BS because we know him. 
Well, you know, I mean, not personally, but we've seen them for a long time. But that's how a lot of NFL teams think. So hopefully that's not the case. But either way, that would be my advice to him. Get ready. Get ready for the NFL Combine. And you've done more than enough for the buffs. But something tells me he's not going to listen to that. All right. Uh, so that does it for last week's game. I have nothing else to say. You guys got any other words about the uh, Colorado Cow game? Uh, not for the Colorado Cow game, but just a couple things. Um, expect uh, Vontae Chenault to be back this week. I uh, okay. don't know in what capacity. And then uh, Ashad Clayton had a minor procedure. That's all they classified it as. Um, Dur- Coach Durrell said he'd be out uh, one to two weeks, and last week would have been a second game. So maybe get to Ashad Clayton back in the backfield. Okay, that'd be big. Ashad Clayton coming back. I also read that uh, Chenault. Oh, you, you mentioned uh, Chenault, uh, Chenault's coming back, which is going to be big. So that's a couple guys who will help. Sure. Uh, in some Just way, get the ball to him. Okay, now let's see if this helps in some way. Changes didn't happen over the bye week, and a lot of people asked, questioned, should Durrell have made more changes? Okay, to the staff, to the approach, whatever. Not much was done, and after the Arizona game, this is exactly what I was afraid of. No, you know, this, the coaching staff thought, hey, no changes, no real changes. That's okay. No big deal. We're going to be just fine. Well, that's not the case, obviously. When you play a real defense, real team on the road especially, you see what needs to change. So the Buffs made that change. Uh, announced, I think it was this morning, uh, uh, offensive line coach Mitch Rodriguez. Was it yesterday they announced it, Jared? Yeah, I, I was kind of we getting were, leaked we yesterday. On, uh, I think uh, either way, officially this, Monday he's getting like okay. It was, it was Monday they came out with this, but uh, Mitch Rodriguez, the uh, Colorado offensive line head coach, let go. Um, what do you guys think? I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, as I talked about, I think I, I think it was apparent that what they're doing on the offensive line isn't working. Um, but it, it feels a bit like a scapegoat. It feels like yeah, for sure. like Carl Durrell is is uh, trying to kind of deflect a little bit here. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's a step in the right direction. I think it, it's a position group that as as has played as poorly as any this year for the Buffs. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's kind of a uh, don't pay attention to what's going on over here. Let's just blame it on this guy. And and while I say I, I, I do think it is warranted, uh, just judging from the play we've seen from the entire offensive line as a unit this That's year. That's what I've been wondering is, like, how's the offensive line coach? I thought that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, well, and, and I, did, I did a little bit. I didn't do uh, too deep of a dive, but um, – uh, Mitch Rodriguez is his name. Um, he didn't have any college experience before coming to see you. He was a high school offensive line coach. So that automatically throws red flags all over my brain. Like, what was the thought process in that? I know. I mean, I was excited. You figure that something is known, right? Well, they know more than we do. Of course, this is an okay hire. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe Carl Durrell's putting the staff together late, and this is, he was part of Durrell's staff in March, I think, March 2020. But that's, I think, the issue is... That, that's what I was just trying to look up. Did he come with Yeah, Rodri- yeah, yeah. he joined okay. Rail's original staff in uh, March 2020, and he only coached 13 games with the Buffs. But quote here from Carl Durrell, and this is the quote I was talking about earlier. Uh, quote, I felt this was the appropriate time to make a change. We still have five games remaining in the season and can work hard to do what we can to improve our offensive line play. We've struggled most of the season, and without much consistency up front, it's hard to find any identity for our offense. Okay. I completely agree with what you guys are just saying. This is a scapegoat. This is, uh, you could know, be. I- I'm not sure what's going on. Let's find something to get upset with. And when you say could be, you're right. We don't know. Hopefully things change. Hopefully this team looks a lot better. Something's telling me they're not going to just suddenly, you know, beat Oregon on the road. But I'm noticing a trend here with Carl Durrell. He's very quick to point fingers. 
and I'm just not used to this because this is not the co- the classic coach move, and I'm not a big fan of it. A, f- a fan of it. I understand letting players take their own lumps and, and having guys be accountable, but it seems like every bump of the road this season, and we didn't see this last year. You know, whenever when wins are happening, you don't really get to see everything's good when everything's good, but when when when, when losses start coming on, then you see who these you know the real identity. Right. And I think that Carl Durrell, quick to point fingers. I, I, I in, in a weird kind of perverse way, I, I get it now. Like, it's like, okay, I, I get that Carl Durrell is fighting for his life and fighting for his job. Maybe he's going to be like, hey, <sighs> offensive line's been terrible. What do you expect? Of course, we got to get rid of the off- offensive line coach. But earlier in the season, when, his, when he wasn't on the hot seat and he did the same thing, and well, these players got to take accountability. A couple weeks after he just told all of us what a great job the players did of you know being accountable. So it just seems like Durrell's so quick to point fingers, blame the players. It's not me. Look over there. And I saw the same thing in this press conference where has the offensive line been a problem this year? Yes, it has. Has it been the only problem this year? No, it hasn't. But that's kind of how Carl Durrell's acting with this, and I don't like it one bit. So uh, again, uh, Mitch Rodriguez let go, uh, let go of, or relieved of his duties is how they're putting it. But uh, I, I'm just not sure if this does it. So I don't well, think this is the last change we're going to see along the course no. of this season either. What I'm a little concerned about is, you know, maybe things do kind of turn around a little bit towards the end of the season. I'm not necessarily saying in this week against Oregon, but um, maybe it's something that uh, Rick George, the coaching staff, can use as a, hey, look – we got better after we made this move, like potentially. But if if he if Carl Durrell's going to do that, he did it at the wrong time. Don't do it uh, right before the Oregon game. Yeah, wait till after you play Oregon. And, yeah, that, <laughs> and that, that's it. true. Do you think this decision is it all Carl Durrell's, or is this coming from Rick George? Uh, I I think what happens with this generally is it is a. Oh, well, well, with this specific decision, I think it's a little bit of both. I think that Rick George may have been putting pressure on Darrell to do something. Yeah, I yeah. think Rick George went, something's got to happen, mm-hmm. Carl. But, yeah. but but I think that that he was just kind of a – the offensive line coach was just kind of a, a casualty because a big part of this is he only had a contract until – uh, February 2022. So this isn't just, okay, who are we going to get rid of? It's, okay, who are we going to get rid of? Now we got to talk to the regents and make sure this marks with the budgetary restrictions. And can we pay him? How long has he got? Yep. So, yeah, I think well, that's a well, big Well, and deal. the other coach that a lot of people, at least on social media, are, are calling for his head is Darren Cheverini. He is a much, much more impactful coach if you decide to let him go. He is your recruiting director. He is your wide receivers coach. He's your play caller. There's a lot more but that goes into it. So people, you get rid of a guy in, in, in Mitch Rodriguez and you go, okay, it doesn't really put us out too much. You know, I, I don't know. I want to put a, a, a flag in the sand right now and let it know, let it be known. Is that the right uh, uh, saying for what I'm about to say? And sure. let it be known <laughs> that I am a supporter of Darren Shiverini. Okay. It, the, the offense has never been a problem with the buffs for the last couple of years. Shiv's been calling the play. It's usually been players to put in that system. Well, that's my, that, that, exactly right. It, it's, it's been uh, really, that hasn't been the problem when CU has put it together defensively. This team has been good. And, and and so it hasn't been the offense. Now, it, you may uh, uh, say, oh, well, the play calling, this, that. No, I think this offense has been fine for the last couple of years. I agree with you, but I will sit here right now. My bold prediction as we're sitting here, what's it, October 25th? I think that Darren Cheverini is let go before oh, the end of the season. See, I don't. Oh, here's the thing. If 
Shiverini leaves and Carl Durrell stays, we got it backwards. We're hiring Dan Hawkins again out of Boise State instead of Chris Peterson. Yeah. That we made that mistake before. Don't do that. We're we we actually have we know we have in Shiverini. Is he a world class offensive coordinator? Probably not, but that's not what we need right now, okay? And we've seen what he can do. Look at what he did uh, with uh, Montez. Did he have Lufau? We've talked about this before. He was, he was on the staff with yeah. Lufau. With I Lufau don't know if he was staff. a play caller, but... I haven't seen anything in, in you know, I, I'm not a fan of these guys, the keyboard warriors. They sit on their couch, criticize every little play but call. Based on this move that I saw from Carl Dorrell, I think it just keeps going up the ladder until it ends up being him. And I, well, I think if, if this season case, doesn't turn around, I don't think this is the last. I hope that's I hope that Rick really George can step in. I hope that, that someone can step in and stop that from happening because that would be horrible. That would put this program back further because what we needed to do is get rid of Darrell, get rid of the staff he hired, keep a couple guys like Shiverini on, in my opinion, and, and then maybe rebuild. in a different capacity. Maybe Shiverini yeah. isn't your play caller. Maybe was, he yeah. isn't one yeah. building the offense, but he is a good recruiter. He's a homegrown guy. He's from, he has the CU ties. He graduated from here. Right. His son is now on the staff too. So I, I, I think keeping him around in a capacity similar to what Darian Hagan has been around for a long time. Sure, yeah, and just a couple of quick thoughts uh, regarding the offensive line coach. Um, you said his contract was up in f- this upcoming February. Yeah. Maybe they kind of saw the writing on the wall and was like, you know what, I don't think we're going to retain him. Um, and keep in mind, before this season started, Carl Durrell replaced uh, Tyson Summers with Chris Wilson. So he he's he's... I, I want to try to give Coach Durrell the benefit of the doubt that, that he does have a vision. He's got a vision for what he wants his staff to look like, but maybe the guys that he wants just aren't available right now. And then last thing, regarding Cheverini, I think that you're right, Jared. I think he's a great offensive mind. Maybe he's got too much on his plate right now. Maybe he's just not a great uh, play caller, but I think the most successful years we've had with Cheverini is when um, – uh, Lindgren was was the OC and Cheverini was just kind of on the staff and you know uh, bringing up different you know ideas matchups mismatches things like that so yeah that's a good point Lindgren was around a lot uh, and, and, and Ryan you just said something that I know Tyler you've been beating the drum for a long time maybe the guys aren't available that that Darrell wants because maybe they're not within CU's budget yeah, that could very well be the it's case. It's hard to get good guys without a budget. We know that uh, Colorado doesn't play pay a whole lot to their. Uh, coaches ryan what did he's breaking equipment over there oh, look at that so ryan producer ryan's mic just came off sand now he looks like uh jerry seinfeld holding the mic on stage so i was gonna say he looks like a sideline reporter Wait, the you buffalo's know? offense what? we'll just Redingo. we'll just go to, to ryan on the sideline over there <laughs> exactly i like that all right um so usually if you've been listening to the show for the last couple seasons we spend a lot of the show previewing next week and what does our upcoming opponent do well? What are the good matchups going to be? What to watch for on TV? But this season's just different. And we really haven't had one year be like the last since we've done this show. A couple years ago, it was normal. Then COVID happened and it was sporadic. And then this season, it's like, okay, we're just trying to stay in games. We're just trying to be competitive. And so spending 30 minutes talking about, well, let's talk about these receivers against Oregon's defensive backs when they may get, you know, 15 passes thrown to them all game. So it's just a different year. We're not spending as much time previewing the upcoming game, but we'll let everyone know a little bit about the Ducks because obviously Oregon hosting CU this Saturday, 1.30 at Autzen Stadium. 
Oregon, number seven in the nation. Only loss was on the road against Stanford. They have beat Ohio State this year. That game was on the road. Quarterback Anthony Brown, 62% completion, seven touchdowns, three picks. He has been sacked 11 times in seven games. Can see you get to the quarterback. Hopefully that's going to be the case this weekend. Uh, Out of the backfield, uh, let's see. They, they want to run the football a little bit more. 271 attempts, 200 passes. So definitely more of a rushing attack. Travis Dye, C.J. Verdell, the two-headed running back system. And Anthony Brown, their quarterback, third on the team in rush attempts. Besides those three, no one else really gets the football. All three of those have 20 of 21 touchdowns on the ground. Through the air, they spread it out. Uh, Johnny Johnson, I love that. Uh, I talked last week about the Dan My Patrick show. Johnny. Yeah, Johnny, I'm Johnny. <laughs> On the Dan Patrick show, they have Jimmy Jimerson, who's yeah. a reporter who knows, says nothing. Johnny Johnson III, I guess he's uh, related to Jimmy Jimerson. Uh, he is leading the team in reception yards, 245. And But like I said, they spread things out. This is a team who's got a lot of depth at receiver, a lot of guys out of the backfield who can catch the football. So uh, they're elite. I mean, whether Oregon wants to run the football, throw the football, spread things out, bring it tight, they're very good. Special teams, extra points, 30 of 31 field goal seven of seven jared what can the buffs do against oregon the actually this this <laughs> after offense, that this Tell offense me, jared, for oregon absolutely terrifies me yeah. their style of play they like to work fast they like to run the ball they like to kind of keep that defense on the field and for a defense that spent a lot of time on the field and an offense that for cu that struggles to stay on the field that is not a good combination right. if they're if they're really working you um, with, with their offense, I, I just I see disaster coming at us, guys. I just think this is going to be ugly. Yeah, I agree. And, and something you have to keep in mind, too, with uh, Oregon being kind of the Pac-12's last hope at getting into the playoffs, this game's on Fox this weekend. I could see, oh, God. I could see Oregon trying to put up 70. And, and the reason Ryan says that for those uh, – because, look, we don't follow, follow the national title chase here in, in, in Boulder <laughs> – but uh, it means a lot. Style points mean a lot. Yeah. And when you get to this point in the season, blowouts count. Yeah, you, at home, 130, you know, prime You know who prime is time. currently ahead of Oregon in the Pac-12's uh, north standings? Mm, who? Oregon State. Wow. <laughs> They're the number that? one. Go Beavers. Right and, and, well, the Beavers are here. Hey, easy, Ryan. Beavers are I know. Yeah, we what have is to that? play them in a couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah. I thought that was a <laughs> chance on. to get hey, a win. Hey, you it know is. What? I'm not it a fair-weather fan, but I'm looking for anything to hey. hold on to right now. They, uh... Oregon's here November 6th. I'm I'm excited for that game. The Buffs could get another one there. All right. So let's play the what is if CU upsets Oregon this week, what are the what's the stat line going to look like? What are they going to do well? And it's going to look like this from my opinion. So this is I guess my key to the game for the Buffs. Get that rush attack back. Please make it the case that the only thing that needed to change was the offensive line coach. I'm praying that's the issue. And I'm praying that we see this Buffs team run the football like they did last season. That would be huge. I want to see Broussard getting his carries. I want to see everyone behind him getting their carries. I want Fano to be doing his thing. And that's what this team can do. If they get going, they get some some momentum, run the football, it opens up for Lewis, right? He completes a couple passes. He completes some, you know, 40-yard bomb, and then things are opened up. So, I don't think we're going in there to win a 38-37 game. I think what happens is this defense shows up. We run the football, milk the clock, control the clock, and make Oregon very uncomfortable. That's how I think CU wins this thing. So you got to have a low-scoring game, in my opinion. Okay, I'm going to give you three things that need to happen, okay? What you just said there. 
running the ball. The running backs have to get going. I think that you need to see a couple of hundred yards on the ground. Uh, I think Brendan Lewis has to be an effective passer. They have to be able to rely on him, and he's got to come through for them. So, so like high percentage. So high even percentage. if he throws it like 15 times, 11 or 15, something like and that. And big plays. You know, we need to have a big 30-yard touchdown, 40-yard touchdown, some sort of big play. And the biggest one and the most, the least likely probably to happen is you got to get some points from this defense. I right. mean, ultimately is what it comes down to. I think you yeah, need man. turnovers, special teams plays. Even so, We even saw that in the Arizona game. That's really what it took for this team to get going. Yeah, I talked about it last week, complimentary football, and we did not play that on Saturday in Cal. So, I mean, that's really that's the that's what we have to hope that's for. That's all right? you have to do. That's it, Buffs. Three things, okay? I know, that's it. Run for two hundred, throw for two hundred, and get some defensive touchdowns. So one, one one thing I am pretty concerned about those Kayvon Thibodeau uh, for you for people out there who don't know, he's the uh, pass elite pass rusher from Oregon, probably be at least a top ten pick in in this year's draft. Um, and listen, we gave up five sacks against Cal. Uh, Cal defense who leading up to the game last week was struggling to get pressure on the quarterback. So mm-hmm. scares scares me to death. Well, Especially with firing your offensive line coach too. Now you've got possibility of some inconsistencies even more than you've already had. So. And to compare those numbers, I mentioned Anthony Brown, seven touchdowns, three picks, 11 sacks. That's something we got excited about. Uh, Brendan Lewis this season. Oh, God. Uh, four touchdowns, three interceptions, 22 sacks. Oh, yeah, so not uh, the best. But, hey, like I said, if that's how we win this weekend, that's how it's going to have to happen. The defense has to show up. Got to run the football and get this offensive line going once again. So let's go, Buffs. Let's get back on the win column. And let's see here. That would be, hey, we're still in contention to make a bowl if we win this weekend. Got to win out, boys. Hope hey, is not lost. 0.3% chance last time I thought. <laughs> there you go. 0.3%. Don't that know what they're right? talking about. Yeah, I don't know about that. All right, let's go, Buffs. We'll talk to you next week. Buffs Nation Podcast.